Lollygaggers. Another week on tap. <laughs> Little Metallica getting us started tonight. We are Lollygagging Sports. As always, I'm Bo Reed, along with my fellow Lollygaggers, Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. We're going to be talking some divisional round playoffs, and we're going to hop back into that time capsule. But first things first, Samantha, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? How are doing, you? Doing, doing well. Doing, doing well. I have no complaints. Everything seems to be going okay down here. How about you, Irby? I'm uh, really good down here. Um, after work, headed out to the backyard, and I uh, I made three extra points and four tries. So I'm doing good. Ooh, okay. Now, is this a tryout? Did, was Jerry there? Because obviously Michael McCarthy's not going to be there, but was Jerry Jones there? I, You know what? No. Once I made three out of four and not two out of four, Jerry was no longer interested. <laughs> That's about right. I mean, what, what did they say? Anyone who's 5'7 and lives in Texas? Like, I mean, technically, you know, you, you've met the criteria. Five seven, that's that. That's interesting. You said to be five seven. Yeah. I'm not sure how they arrived at that point, but that's yeah. They said anyone who's five seven and lives in Texas, and I'm like, well, it's going to be a lot of people. Uh, but you know, okay. <laughs> I'm a little. It, it's a little unsettling though that they limited it to just Texas. I mean, what if somebody could afford the airfare mm-hmm. to get to Dallas and they had a better leg? You're stuck with the Texas person. That's true. Or they were five six. Or they're five six. <laughs> that would that would be Jerry right there. Jerry, you seen this guy? Yeah, I know, man. He's nailing all these fifty yarders. Yeah. How tall is he? Five six and a half. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Too short. And this is why Dallas is not going with the Super Bowl. Uh-uh. <laughs> hey now now wait a minute. We're not, we haven't picked that game yet. That's that's four games from now in the show. Let's not let's not tip some hats here. I feel confident in my pick. <laughs> okay, let's let's dive into this. Four divisional round matchups: two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Uh, no Monday night fun for everybody this week, but uh, uh, we do get the divisional playoffs. Let's start with the the first one on Saturday, Samantha, the Jaguars. Uh, fresh off of yet another comeback win, go to Kansas City. I'm just going to go on out of limb here, but I, I think it would behoove the Jaguars to actually participate in the first half of this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I The Chargers are a unique animal in the worst way, and they are incredibly creative in the depth and breadth of the Ways that they can find to lose a football game. I don't think that you can make the assumption that Kansas City is going to just allow you to, like, I don't know, steamroll them in the second half of a football game. Like, that's just not how this is going to go, right? So they're going to have to show up. They're going to have to play two halves if they want to have a prayer of winning this. I mean, it's got an incredible gift for a, a team that didn't really earn a gift in the first round by getting matched up with the. The Chargers, who have what what I call San Diego syndrome, um, they did come Ooh. from there relatively recently. So San Diego syndrome, like these teams can do, like the Padres fans, like they they will find a way. They will find a way. Like whatever it is, something will go wrong. Seventeen things will go wrong. So I, I don't think you can count on the Chiefs uh, to to show up and and hand you the same 
Um, 30 minutes of freebies. So good, good luck to the Jaguars. Is this like the China syndrome, the San Diego syndrome? That she, that she, what that is China syndrome? What's China syndrome? Okay. That it, it was a thing. Interesting enough, this, this happened. Irby, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Um, you know, when Three Mile Island happened, it was right after the movie that China Syndrome came out, and it was about essentially. I think Irby, it was it was a how a nuclear meltdown could conceivably burn a hole to China through the middle of the earth. So I guess it does make sense. I, I guess the San Diego Syndrome would be the same as the China Syndrome about implosion. So you're implying they could be connected, which might not be wrong. So you're saying if there were a nuclear test site that we did not know about somewhere near San Diego that burned a hole to China and somehow brought something up from the center of the earth that has caused all of its sports teams to massively fail. I mean, I don't know. I'm not out on that theory. I have to tell you, I don't hate it. You know, I mean, I that's, don't hate it. I, it's frankly, it could explain it. it it's, I want you to, you have to prove it wrong, Irby. You got any proof that that this isn't the case? Because if not, then we've got an mm-hmm. we got an actual theory here. I no. If anything, you've given me a headache because I deal with radiation conversations all day long at work. And you literally just brought it into the podcast. That was amazing. You're well welcome. done. <laughs> Throwing the China syndrome. Wow. I, I I probably will have to watch that movie tonight now. Mm-hmm. Um, just a good, a, a good explanation. Yes, that is correct. Uh, some issues there with geography, but you know, whatever. That, That's a lot. That of is the charger. <laughs> yeah, issues with geography. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. It's it, it probably doesn't sound as good to say something like the Mongolian syndrome or the Tonga syndrome. Like that doesn't sound as great. Like so, let's blame the bad guy. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> all in all, to say, yeah, uh, Jacksonville. Let's play a first half. Yeah. That that would be good. That would be <laughs> that would be good. Um, this is and, and and it'll be interesting because this will be so. This is the second time these two will have played. They did play in Kansas City earlier, back when Jacksonville finally then took a week off and decided, oh, let's win eight of our next nine. That's worked out pretty well for them. And it was also a game that they did the exact same thing. Yeah, Kansas City had a twenty to nothing lead in that game. Twenty to nothing. They ended up only winning by ten. So. Here we go again, Jacksonville. I, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's that simple. You just need to play both halves, and you'll win the game. I, I, I know that that seems like a very logical, simple statement, but sometimes the most simple things need to be said. <laughs> it would also help to not throw four interceptions in the first half. Smith, let's talk about the Chiefs here, because obviously they're the favorites, and they should be the favorites because they are the better team. Uh, I, I don't see really much... Chance. I mean, I'll give the I'll give the Jags a little bit of a chance because they were able to make it the divisional round of the playoffs, but it's not much of a shot. So how can let's flip this around? Because normally it's you know how how can how can Team X beat Team Y? How could the Chiefs screw this up? Because I think that's what's going to have to happen here for the Jaguars to win this game is the Chiefs are going to have to do something stupid. Um, overconfidence. Like, don't assume because you have a two score lead going into halftime that you're done, that you can just sit back and rest on your world. So now, typically, I, I don't think this is something that has been an issue for the Chiefs, particularly. They're, they're way more likely to come back in the second half and get you than to lay down and die that way. But if you want to know how you lose this game if you're Kansas City, it's you, you go up a couple scores in the first half, and then you shift into prevent and, and rest on it and assume that you've won a football game. And so I think Jacksonville, is, as much as... I don't think there's any equating 
what one can do to the Chargers with what one can do to the Chiefs. Like, there's a reason we play the games, right? So, like, I, I don't think we can assume that just because they are less likely to be a victim of this than the Chargers, that they're completely immune to anything the Jaguars can do. So, you know, if the Jacks can keep it relatively close and not just get completely blown out in the first half, then, yeah, Kansas City, like, got to look alive, got to stay alert. And they're not a terribly complacent team, but we have seen them lapse into this at various points. And, and that's what I think might be your undoing if you are the Chiefs. Otherwise, you know, I mean, I don't think from an X's and O's, from a matchup standpoint, I don't think the Jaguars have much of a chance here. Mm-hmm. But anybody has a chance against any NFL team, like we've discussed a million times, they're all really good, even the bad ones. So anybody in the postseason can be anybody else in the postseason if somebody gets lazy and arrogant Mm -hmm. partway through a football game. Irby, same question for you. How can the Chiefs screw this up? I turn the ball over early, have a lot of three and outs, play outside yourselves. The first two are pretty obvious for everybody, but that would be, let's focus on the third. Kansas City, just be yourself. Don't do anything crazy. You know, we don't need any of these. You don't need a trick play. You don't need any no-look passes. You don't need any of that stuff. Just be yourself. Play the game that you've been playing. Play. Be the team that got you 14 wins in the regular season, and, and you're going to be fine. Like, like this, is, this absolutely is a game of Jacksonville has to play above themselves. Jacksonville needs something. They need a spark. They need a play. They have to have it. Toe-to-toe, if you just go back and forth, you will beat them. But if you give them hope, if you give them opportunity, yeah, you can lose, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Smith, I don't really just I, – I guess that could be a rule of thumb for me. Is like, like The halftime score is not something I pay a lot of attention to, unless it's ridiculous, right? If a team's up by four touchdowns at the half, I'm going to notice that. This is a game where I'm actually probably going to pay a little bit closer attention to that halftime score because I've seen what both of these teams do in the second half. Who needs to be up here? Is this a situation where the Jaguars need to be up knowing what the Chiefs do in the second half, or is there more pressure on the Chiefs to be up at halftime because of what Jacksonville has been doing consistently over the last few weeks? You know, that's an interesting question. I'm I'm inclined to say it's the Chiefs, not because I think the Jags have the upper hand, even even if that is what what's happening, it's more that if the Jags are up, I don't know, seven at the half, I'm still going to feel pretty confident that Kansas City is going to get it done, right? But if the Chiefs are up at the half, then I'm thinking, uh-oh, Jacksonville, like, you better have another half like the one you played a week ago in right. you. So, it's, yeah, I mean, the onus remains on the Jags, which is kind of what makes it an interesting question. But at the same time, they are playing with house money. They have nothing to lose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if they're down at the half, if they're up at the half, whatever happens after that, like, unless you just completely embarrass yourselves, which I don't think is going to be the case, you've either got a hard-fought loss in a season where you should never have gotten this far, or you pulled off the biggest upset of the postseason. It's win-win. But if you're the Chiefs, and if you're down at the half, you're thinking about what happened a week ago, what Je- what Jacksonville did a week ago to the Chargers, and you're getting nervous, right? So I, I almost feel like in that respect, it's almost more on the Chiefs in that regard. 
Watch them play to a 3-3 first half tie. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, watch, yeah, it'll be tie. <laughs> Irby, anything you add to that before we pick them? No, no, it's a great point of just, you know, it goes back to the being yourself and, and Kansas City, you don't have to do anything too crazy here. The, the weird thing about Kansas City this season, Jacksonville, you know, I think, and we'll throw a lot of luck factor. I mean, I know you're big on that. You know, Jaguars had a they, they were a plus five in the uh, turnover differential this season. Amazing how they wiped that out in one playoff game. But a lot of that stuff was fumble related, takeaways and giveaways. A lot of fumbles involved with Jacksonville this season. Kansas City, for all the good, for all the fourteen and three, for all this stuff, man, they were a negative. Negative turnover differential this year. Just a lot of turnovers, a lot of giveaways, a lot of giveaways. And in that game against Jacksonville, they were a minus three as well. They, they turned the ball over three times and still won. So, again, I mean, that's why it, this really is a simple formula. Protect the ball. <laughs> be, don't do anything too crazy, and you're going to be fine. And that's where it, this is what we love about playoffs. You know, almost in any sport, especially the NFL, especially baseball, too, we talk about this, too. Because it's that simple of a formula, yeah, something crazy is probably going to happen. Then. <laughs> All right, let's pick this one, then. Samantha, who do you have? Jags or Chiefs? The Chiefs, although I, I think it's really important to acknowledge, like, Irby, you know, you made a really good point and brought it up kind of twice there about, like, the Chiefs, like, don't get cute. You know, you mentioned the no-look passes. Like, mm-hmm. don't don't be doing, you know, this is not a game in which you should be taking unnecessary risks. And if they start doing stuff like that, then we're going to see a shift here. But I, I trust the Chiefs ultimately to get the job done, and I think they are the better team. Irby, how about you? What do you got here? Yeah, same pick for me, Kansas City. I, you know, I know Jacksonville is my adopted, unadopted, adopted, unadopted team, and, and I'll, I'll cheer for them, and they're fun to watch. And that was a great job last week. But and if you play two halves, you're going to be in this ball game. But Kansas City with a week off, um, I and I, you know Kansas City with Mahomes yeah, not making a mistake. I just can't. I'm not going to. It's it's. I'm not going to pick against them. If Mahomes at home, I'm just not going to pick against them. You know, I really want to pick Jacksonville. I really do. And I was on the fence until, you know, earlier today when, when I found out that Trevor Lawrence needs to think that the sound, the loudness of the crowd is the same in Jacksonville as it is at Arrowhead in Kansas City at that point. Oh, jeez. At, at, at that point, you know, Samantha, like, like it's, it's, it's just, that, that just shows a little bit, of, he's a little naive here and maybe not quite ready to take down the big back Chiefs. So I'm taking the Chiefs. <laughs> All right. Next on the docket, the, the uh, first NFC matchup. Uh, interesting enough, three NFC East teams in the divisional round. First time that's happened since the divisions went to four. Four teams per division and four divisions each league. So that's fun. That's kind of cool, especially considering it's the NFC East, which was not too long ago was a laughing stock. Not this year. Giants are in Philly to play those Eagles. They obviously, Samantha, just met... Um, the, the, the regular season. In fact, this is like back-to-back games for the Eagles against the against the Giants here. Um, one thing of note, 
that I think makes makes this a little bit more interesting than maybe it would have been is the trajectory of these teams because the Eagles didn't really play great their last three weeks of the season. The Giants did, and they did probably a lot of it because they had to to make the playoffs, but the Giants are the hot hand right now. Are they overmatched by Philly? Absolutely. On paper, the, the, the Eagles are heads and shoulders better than the Giants, but Samantha, the Giants coming in with that hot hand, does that give you pause? Does that make you say, well, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe this will go a little bit differently than the paper suggests? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, I, I will tell you that if this was baseball, I would be way more worried about this than I am in football yep. because that's uh-huh. where we really say, like, oh, man, the hot hand, like, you don't want to run into that team. It's bad. <laughs> but it's a little bit less, I don't know, divisive in football in that way. But it is absolutely something that gives me pause because the gap between these teams is not that big. And as you pointed out, you know, Philly is kind of coasting at the end of the season. And a lot of that has to do with the Jalen Hurts injury and the fact that they didn't really need to be playing. And, and that's where I think it's, it's tough. We don't know, you know, because as, as you correctly pointed out, like the Giants had to play that way just to get into the postseason, just to survive their first playoff game. They had to. Philly didn't need to do that. And they were still the number one seed. And they were trying to protect a guy who needed some rest, who is the most important asset on their team. So, yeah, theoretically, it might mean nothing. Right, it might just be well. Everybody did what they needed to do, and now we're right back where we were, which is that Philly is a far more talented football team than the Giants are at the moment. But, but we've seen this happen. We see it more in baseball, but we've seen it happen in football too. So I don't know. I I think that. I mean, I'll I'll turn this around and ask you this: Like, are you? Would you have been more confident in a Philly victory? a week ago before you saw the Giants Vikings game than you are now. Cause that's yes. kind of how I feel. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's what I yeah, thought too. Absolutely. And, well, I mean, <clears throat> what were we talking about last week? We were, when we were previewing that game, it's well, the Giants kind of took their foot off the gas. That was my biggest concern. Yeah. Well, well, clearly it didn't affect them because <laughs> they just took it to the Vikings. So, I mean, all bets are off at this point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Irby, how about you? Any thoughts on that? Giants coming in with a hot hand? Uh, yeah, it definitely is the hot hand. I'm with you guys. I did not love um, what they did against Philadelphia. But, you know, they two weeks prior to that, they did the, you know, they did not execute their game plan, and they lose to Minnesota. They, they avenged that one uh, both times in Minnesota. So here you go again. Now they get to do the same thing. Um, or the opportunity to do the same thing. So the good thing for the Giants, yeah, a lot of road games lately, a lot of stuff on the road. Um, not the first time the franchise has done that. I think we've seen that twice before. <laughs> All so, road games in both of those instances. Yeah. Back. All road games, 2008, yeah. 2012. Yep. That's, it's really something I'm holding on to. Giants succeed. Like, that's no joke. You know, we, we, we can joke about it, but that's, that is no joke. Something about the Giants in the seed. Um, thing, things happen, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I, I'm optimistic. The Giants, it's a similar thing as Jacksonville. There is, it's house money. Like the, the expectation has passed from where the Giants were. I mean, what, just roughly a year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, they were on fourth and eight from their own four yard line and they were in the wishbone formation. Yeah, that happened. 
And here we are now <laughs> talking about them Wait, in the division round. Was Pat there? Was Pat Shermer there? I, you know, I can't confirm that he wasn't there. You know, there's he might have been the one blowing the horn. Real life times. was employed by another team at the time, but you can't. I mean, can you prove he wasn't there? Yeah, cannot prove he was not there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I want to think that the Giants can do this. They they've been close. You know, I know they, the first time they met, it wasn't great, and mm-hmm. who knows about the last one? But and and I'm with you guys that I want to believe. In, in what we saw last week, and that really is something that the Giants can springboard and continue to move forward, and, and I'm going to choose. This has been the season of I'm choosing joy. So I'm going to choose that because that was a win over a, I, I mean, my gosh, we have pyramid schemes. We have scammers that call you for your car warranty, and then we have the Minnesota Vikings, I mean, on fraud level there. So, but, but that's been basically the NFC North champions for a decade now. Yeah. Unbelievable right. fraud. So you're saying that the NFC North is the deposed king of Nigeria, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. When, totally. when, when the, I completely agree with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> the deposed prince of Nigeria wears a Vikings jersey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, so I don't know. I want to choose joy with the Giants. I, I want to choose that they, they, they are using this to move forward, but Philly has proven time and time again when it's mattered that they can be a buzzsaw at times. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, as we get into these coaches here, Samantha, uh, Dable versus Sirianni, um, I think it's worth noting, and I, I, this is something that really didn't come through at the time, taking it back to week 18. The Giants were locked in at six. More than likely, they were going to face, if they were to get past the Vikings, you know, again, this is week 18, we don't, we don't know this is happening yet, they are going to face the Eagles. So a lot of what happened in week 18 is probably not something we can look at because there's wrinkles that Dable's got that he did put in that week because he knew full well in two weeks we'd be right here playing the Giants or playing the Eagles in Philly. So makes you wonder... If week 18 was was incorrectly uh, analyzed. I chess, not checkers, right? Like, yeah. don't show them anything. I mean, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Because like, does. you're right. They didn't need to win that game, and we were pretty critical about, like, oh, we think for other reasons you do need to win this game. But, I mean, I I trust Brian Gable. And, and maybe, maybe we were right all along about that, and they were just lucky that they got the king of Nigeria in round one. Um, and they're about to get annihilated. Like, maybe we were right, you know, or maybe it wouldn't make a lick of difference. But it does make you wonder, because, I mean, I think we can all agree that Brian Dable is probably the, the coach of the year. He is certainly the mm-hmm. best hire of the last offseason. I mean, the Giants gave him a trash heap, and he turned it into a playoff team. So, I mean, imagine getting inheriting something from Dave Gettleman. And then it's in the second round of the playoffs. Like, I have a lot of questions about that. And whoever did that is probably coach of the year, right? So, like, good for Dable. You know, yeah. it's incredible. And, and you wonder if there was some strategy to that. To like, okay, we, there's a good chance we're going to see these guys again in a couple of weeks if we can get out of the first round. So let's not show them what we've got. So very, very possible. By the same token, Nick Sirianni, another guy, you know, speaking of underestimating somebody, perhaps we underestimated the Giants. Mm-hmm. Like, Sirianni, I mean, we all laughed at this guy endlessly when he got hired. We're like, oh, boy, here we go. This bozo's talking about flowers in his opening press conference. What a moron. 
And it turned out he was just really bad at press conferences. He's actually a really good coach. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I mean, recall that no one believed in Jalen Hurts at first either. And we have to give Jalen Hurts some credit for that. But a lot of that credit goes to Nick Sirianni, who has quietly, and in spite of his like somewhat like doofusy press conferences, and he's gotten better. By the way, he's gotten better at that. Like, who's actually been a really good coach. So, I, I mean, I think this is kind of a great matchup, right? It's like two yeah. really, really good head coaches and two people who have been discounted at various points, whether it was just because Dayball was too new and had nothing to work with and Sirianni because he just came off like such a bozo at first. But, <laughs> I mean, I have tremendous respect for both of them now. And, and poor Sirianni, I feel like I owe that guy so many apologies. I got a lot of mileage on making fun of that guy on air um, when he first got hired. And now I feel bad about it. <laughs> I'm no, sorry, it's the, Nick. It's, an, it's, it's the sorry, nature Nick. of the beast. That's all. It's the nature mm. of the beast. It is what it is. So, Anyway. <laughs> before before I go to Irby, just quick quick shot here. Mm-hmm. Who's got the edge between these two coaches, Dable or Sirianni? Yeah, I, I think if we were picking this game purely based on coaching prowess, I have to get it to Brian Dable because he mm-hmm. does so much with so little. So, yeah, I, I would give him the edge in that regard. Yes. All right, Irby, how about you? Any, th- any thoughts on the matchup here between Dable and Sirianni? And who would you give the edge to? I know, no, no, that's what I had. I, the edge, I'm the same with Dable. I like Sirianni as well. Um, I know I've shut my mouth a few times with him this season, like Samantha. I think I've, on a couple occasions, called him Sirachi instead of Siriano, but, you know, same thing. Um, Dable, yeah, as long as he's dancing, you know, the Giants are dancing with him, and it's interesting. But, um, I, you know, so edge there, yeah. I, I'm Dable. I, I would love playing for a coach like him and, and – what he's done and what he's had. The other one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce it right back and, and vote. I'll get your opinion on this too, but it's also for Samantha. I think it also comes down to who has the better Penn State running back. Ooh, hmm. interesting. Ooh, ooh. Okay, so that's if I take that into consideration, that it actually confirms my pick for this. Yeah. Interesting thought. So I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not answering that until I make my pick and we all know how I feel about it. <laughs> nice little teaser there. Well done. Well done. You know I'm gonna go down the same path here. Uh, anything else before we actually do that pick, Samantha? You ready to pick it? I'm ready. I just now I'm on a weird path backwards through like <laughs> Penn State running backs, most of whom were horrendously bad. Um, Kajana Carter? Um, that went great. Um, <laughs> Will he be at the game? Will Kajana Carter be at the game? <laughs> if he is, I'm picking whoever he's not rooting for. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, okay, all right. So, take my hand on the, the question that, that you just asked me and tell you that I think the better Penn State running back here is um, Saquon Barkley. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. As long as he doesn't hurt himself. I do have to place that um, sort of qualifier on it, which is always a possibility. He's a bit fragile, uh, but I think he's the better running back. And, and like, look, I, there's a good chance I'm going to be wrong about this game, and I feel okay about that. I want to call at least one upset, which I guess is kind of spoiling my other picks, but, you know, oh, well, you guys don't care. Also, please don't ever put money on anything that I say, so um, it doesn't really matter. But, you know... There's going to be an upset 
there just there is. And I think this is the best chance for it, which is not actually a knock on Philly. It's meant to be a compliment to the Giants. And like we say, third meetings are weird, right? Like we always talk about this. Yeah. Third meeting is weird. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit worried about Jalen Hurts being a bit rusty. I think if it comes down to coaching, the Giants have the edge or because introduced the Penn State running back question, which I would also give the Giants the edge. None of this adds up to being the better football team. The better football team is Philly. But, you know, weird things happen, man. Weird things. And a great way to make weird things happen. So shall we come back to Titanic again? A real man makes his own luck? Like, Brian Dable, man. I'm, I'm putting all of my faith in Brian Dable, the bridge troll, to <laughs> pull this one off. Irby, how about you? Giants or Eagles? Dang, I got to follow that up. Uh, mine is not going to be as well thought out. That was well done. Uh, I, I'm sticking with the whole thing here. This a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. And, and throwing the pin state in, it was a nice little, well done, well done. Way to, way to, way to handle that curveball. Um, I, I'm going to stick with the home team here, Philly. I just think there's enough firepower. I just think there's, a, especially on the offensive side. I we, we talked about, look, Daniel Jones, don't make the mistakes. Saquon Barkley's the better running back. You know, the, the receiving, you know, has looked better for the Giants, and that's great, and that's been wonderful, and that's one side of the ball, but keep going back to the defensive issues and the firepower that Philly has. So I'm going to take Philadelphia to pull this one. I'm taking the Giants. Yeah. I'm taking the Giants. And, and I'm yes. Gonna, I'm going to tell you guys why. With me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys why. Uh, this is going to be classic NFC East. Now, there's, there's, there's a lot of nuance in this division. Besides, you know, it's, it's a lot more than just that these teams hate each other. But the Giants have sat here and they've listened all season long to how all awesome the Eagles are. They've listened to that all year long. They got swept by the Cowboys. They got swept by the Eagles. They're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder the size of Montana. Yeah, that's a great point. And yep. that's what's going to yep. be the difference. The envy, the jealousy of all of the talk has been building up with this Giants team over 19 weeks of football. That's about to come out. And it, it, it's going to, it's, it's, I, I, there's no football basis for it. This is just NFC East football. And the Giants are going to win this game. That's a terrific point. And also, I mean, I'll double down on that and say, you know, half a season ago, it was like, well, they're not going to pay Daniel Jones, right? Why would you pay Daniel Jones? Like, uh-huh. now you have to pay Daniel Jones, right? You have to. Like, don't you think some of his performance is related to that? Like, oh, you don't think I should get paid? Let me show you why I should get paid. And I don't think he's done yet. Yeah, I agree. All right. Let's move over to the Sunday games. AFC first. Bengals. Bills in Buffalo. Samantha, I think we got to start with the Bills uh, and how sloppy this team has played for some time now. Um, really looked just, if they're playing anybody but the Dolphins last week, they lose. And while no one really thought they were going to lose that game, even, even as that game was ongoing, no one thought they were going to lose, they could have lost that game. And there's no reason to, lose to beat the Chargers. Teams. That's fair. That's a valid point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. That, that's fair. 
<laughs> but still, I mean, it otherwise. You are How, yes. <laughs> I mean, is this a legitimate concern, or is this is is this just getting ready for the real part of the playoffs? If you're the Bills, like, like how 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 big of a problem is their sloppy play? Okay, look, if the only time we'd seen this happen with the Bills was last week against Miami, I would say I'm not worried about this at all. You were off for a game. You were overconfident. Like I will echo what you said and say that at no point regardless of the fact that it was close and that the Bills were sloppy. It never felt like Miami was going to win that game, you know, even though, you know, Mike McDaniel is over there, you know, sucking on his vape pen and, like, butchering the clock. Like, had he not done that, that didn't even mean the Dolphins were going to win that game, right? So right. if last week was the only time that it happened, I would have just said, yeah, everybody's off sometimes. They got overconfident. They've probably learned the lesson. But the thing is, is we've seen the Bills do this a lot. They are a sloppy football team, and I love them, and I want them to win the Super Bowl more than anything. But you guys, they are not exactly precise. We've seen them be incredibly flawless at times. We have also seen them look like garbage against teams that it should be easy for them to look, at the very least, extremely competent. So I think they got a good lesson a week ago that had to have scared the crap out of them, or at least I hope it did. You know, Josh Allen acknowledged it. He always does. He's great about that. You know, he's always willing to own it and say, hey, I was bad. You know, we were lucky to get out of that alive. So they're certainly aware of it. But it is something that they slip into pretty frequently. And the Bengals, who have their own problems, a little bit different, but they've got some issues too. And the Bills are the better football team. But if you play a game like the one you played a week ago, you're not going to beat the Bengals. No. No. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Irby, anything you want to add to that? Uh, some very fair points about this Buffalo team. Uh, it, it is the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of the NFL this season. And, and and the weird thing is, is we've seen this before with teams where it's like, oh, yeah, well, they, they play up to their opponents and they play down to their happy opponents. But it's not even that. Like, it's, it's borderline random, just absolutely random of what they do. <laughs> and... I hope, and, and, and Alan, like you said, Alan talking about it and addressing it, being at home, you know, a combination of those two things, I feel like that's going to be enough for Buffalo to realize that, yeah, yeah, we, we, we nearly screwed the pooch last week, and, and, you, and we survived against a, a Miami team that had beat them. And, and, you know, I mean, all three of their matchups were decided by three points or less. So that was always going to be difficult. It was always going to be a tough matchup. And they've done fine at home this season. You, you know, one blip on the mark, but that's it. So now with Cincinnati, yeah, this is I. <laughs> and, and we saw that too, even in the, the game a few weeks ago that was inevitably canceled. It was not a great start for Buffalo. Maybe ten minutes into the game, you know, it's, a lot can change there. But Buffalo, yeah, up and down, up and down. And this is why this team is so frustrating. Of, when they're up, they, they are a Super Bowl contender for each of the last three years. You're so up and down, that's the last thing you need in the playoffs where a Cincinnati team that did it last year, and, and I don't know, are they poised to do a similar run where they're just on even keel, and they even keel with a slight increase week after week after week? All right, Samantha, let's talk about those Bengals real quick. Um 
because it, the one thing that that we haven't talked about um, when the Bengals have come up this year is they don't seem to change much between the first half and the second. Are they just not making adjustments at halftime? Offensively, I guess let's just hone in on that. It seems like they just they roll with their game plan no matter what happens in the first half. Oh, they absolutely do. I mean, there's been some interesting discussions, and we haven't talked about this on this show, so I'm glad you brought this up, um, about sort of various teams and what their identity is. And we have these teams that just adjust, 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 no matter what you're doing. You know, sort of Belichick, the inability to constantly reinvent the Giants are the first team that comes to mind. Right? Brian Dable's really, mm-hmm. really good at this. He just keeps adapting really, from just drive to drive, from play to play, really good at it. And we also have some teams that just never adjust. They just play their game, and there's nothing that's going to move them off that spot. Exhibit A, the Vikings. They don't ever adjust to anything. They do what they do. And Baltimore is like this, too. Cincinnati is a weird case because defensively, they do adjust. They adjust not just at the half, but from drive to drive. But offensively, they never change a thing. They just do what they do. And it's a problem, potentially, Especially when you kind of put it together with, like, look, I, I think Joe Burrow is wonderful and he's an incredible talent, but he has a real weak point, which is that he is not great at adapting post-snap. So when you put that together with the fact that the whole offense just is very, very one note, then if I'm the opposing defense coming into a game like this, I think, well, all I got to do is knock them off their spot, right? Make them uncomfortable. Yeah. They're just going to keep grinding. And that doesn't work in NFL. You can get away with it if you're able to just kind of have your way with the opposing defense with what you do, whatever that might be, even if you're not willing to adapt. The Bills, and, and certainly, you know, like, you're going to get like a high deck. That's huge in this game. That is hugely important here. Like, I, I think that's going to make a big difference in terms of injury, but they are still a pretty beat-up defense. But they're smart, and they're willing to make the adjustments from game to game, and I think that's going to be a problem for Cincinnati because I don't think the Bengals are suddenly going to wake up and decide that they're going to start making offensive adjustments. We just haven't seen that out of them. They either get it done with what they do or they fail. Irby, how about you? Thoughts on the Bengals and their lack of adjustments at halftime? Yeah, against I, I I guess it doesn't really matter whether it's going to work or not. It's what they're going to do. They're they're going to continue to do the same thing over and over again. I, I feel like that can always be an issue and be the difference in winning and losing playoff games. But this is a team that made the Super Bowl last year. Here we go again. I mean, you you took care of business against Baltimore. It wasn't that impressive, but it's a win, and that's what we've learned out of anything. Stop looking at the scores when it comes to the postseasons and just survive and advance, survive and advance, survive and advance. Yeah, this is a Cincinnati team who, I mean, we talked about 0-2, 2-3, 4-4, and now they still have those same four losses. It's, it's They put it together at the right time, and this is what happened last year. They weren't that impressive throughout the season, and they put it together in November and December and January. Mm-hmm. Here we go again putting it together in November and December and January because this team, I said that on there, we've talked about these these long winning streaks that we've seen from multiple teams. Cincinnati's another one of them. They have not lost a game since Halloween. 
You know, it is amazing the difference the year makes. This time last year, we, we kept, okay, well, this is where the Bengals turn into a pumpkin, or this is where the Bengals turn into a pumpkin, and they make it all the way to the Super Bowl. So, uh, what a difference the year makes. Samantha, who do you have here? Bengals or Bills? Uh, the Bills. Um, look, and also for what it's worth, I'm, I'm seeing that Micah Hyde is not playing, so make of that what you will, um, whether that makes a difference to, to how you pick this game or not. But for me, um, I think the Bills are going to buckle down at least for the week. I don't know. I, I'm a little bit nervous about whether they can maintain a lack of sloppiness, shall we say, um, for three more games uh, to get all the way to the Super Bowl and then win it. But I do think they got the daylight scared out of them a week ago by Miami. And I think that's going to make them snap to a little bit. And they are a better team than the Bengals. And they're a smarter team than the Bengals. And I think that's going to be the difference. I think Buffalo gets the win here. Irby, how about you? Who do you have here? Bengals or Bills? I'm the same. I'm taking Buffalo here. Uh, I, I, I like this Cincinnati team. I like the run that they are on. And, and they obviously it's a been here, done this before. I don't, I, I'm trusting Josh Allen. I know that's a, you know, it's kind of been a, a five to two ratio on his touchdowns to interceptions this year. And he's made some bad, bad, bad mistakes throughout the year. But he also knows how to get it done. And, and you're at home and it's home crowd, the Bills Mafia. It's, we haven't talked a lot about the Bills Mafia this year. We're going to get to see plenty of it uh, Sunday afternoon because, well, I mean, that. That, that kickoff time, you know they're going to be up there bright and early. And, I don't know, Allen, Diggs, Burrow, Chase. I mean, it sounds almost even, but I, I'm going to take Allen, Diggs. It's just a, a little bit more. Because this is one that I, I, I you wouldn't be able to give me a score. I have no idea a score. I'm just going to say it's a one possession. And it may very, very, very well come down to who has the ball last. I actually think it will come down to who has, who has the ball last. I'm also taking the Bills, my preseason Super Bowl favorite. I'm not going to abandon them just yet, but let's see how they play on Sunday. All right, one more to go before we get into that time capsule. Uh, Cowboys in, in Santa Clara, San Francisco, California. What is with these California teams? <laughs> the 49ers are hosting the Cowboys. Uh, so, really, I, I think before we get into the game here, I, I, it's – are you starting to feel maybe actually this is a better question for Irby. Let's start off with you, Irby, because are are you beginning to feel a little bit of a rekindling of the Cowboys 49ers rivalry? Because it was it was a year ago that the 49ers knocked the Cowboys out. And there really didn't feel like that the same rivalry game that we had seen when we were kids or that even, you know, fans saw when we were right before we were born, back in the early 80s. I mean, this was a huge rivalry for so long, but lately I haven't felt it, and really until now. And it's all because the 49ers are the ones that knocked the Cowboys out last year. Has that is, is that starting to, to, to spice things up again between these two? Yes, the, the, the fires, I think, are rekindling a little bit of what we saw in the early 90s and, and, and throughout the 80s as well, because... And, and, and what does it with this rivalry, and I, I hate that I'm putting it out there in the universe, but I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> what does it with this rivalry is it's the road team. You know, last year it was supposed to be Dallas taking care of business at home, and here's a Niners team that's been there before and 
it's kind of inconsistent. And San Francisco took care of business and enforced their will and won the game. And Mike McCarthy lost track of time at the very end. Yeah. Here we go again where it's the exact opposite. Like, this is a Niners team that's on an, an incredible run right now. And, and uh, you know, beat the dead horse. And, Ooh, since they got Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. Okay, stop. Yeah, this Niners team is on a roll offensively, defensively. Just everything is clicking well. We're the rookie quarterback, and here's a Dallas team that it that's coming in and it's kind of being treated as though, well, yeah, they're not going to take. They can't beat this Niners team. Well, we've talked about this and this rivalry mm-hmm. many times, and it's been a while, as you pointed out, though. It has been quite a while since we've got to talk about it, but here we are again, where yes, Dallas has the weapons to do this and to go into San Francisco or Santa Clara or San Jose or wherever. And win this thing, absolutely. And that's what's building this rivalry. And that, I think, was a huge part of this rivalry is it always felt like, and it wasn't always, but a lot of times it felt like it was the road team going into the other one's house and beating them up at their own home. Yeah, Samantha, this is the you know, the first time since the 92-93-94 stretch where these two teams are facing each other in the playoffs back-to-back years. What about from your vantage point? Is this rivalry... Starting to kick up a little bit? Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see if this sort of reignites the concept of NFL rivalries in general, because I guess my whole take on this, I've been thinking a lot about this over the last season or so, and it's something that I've thought about for years, actually, is that, like, I think rivalry is mostly dead in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, pre-agency really did a number on it, and it's gotten worse and worse, especially as we see more people willing to change teams. We're seeing a shift more towards the NBA style where guys go where they think they could win. Um, and that always dilutes rivalries. And also, I think that there is a misconception amongst fans that players feel the way that they do. I mean, I can't even tell you the ledge you have to walk people back off of in Cleveland about the Steelers. And it's like, first of all, Pittsburgh doesn't really consider Cleveland its rival anymore. They think Baltimore is their rival. But Browns people are still clinging to that old Steelers rivalry from like 40 years ago. And it's not very real for the players. Like, yeah, sometimes you get some chirping. You get a little more chirping than you get if you were playing, I don't know, the Chargers. But for the most part, like, I think NFL rivalries are overblown. And I think it's mostly because... The divisions, and this is a good thing for the NFL, there's been so much parity that when you put that together with all the other stuff I just mentioned, that we no longer get situations where it's just the same two teams duking it out over and over. So there is no Yankees-Red Sox in the NFL because we don't have two teams in the same division who are consistently that good for 15 years in a row. It just doesn't happen, which is great for the competitive balance of the league Maybe not so great for that feeling of like, wow, I hate these guys. It's going to feel extra good to beat them and extra bad to lose to them. But where I think that the, the true rivalries, the ones that can survive or that are easy to reignite, are less about who's the guy in your division who you hated 40 years ago and now you just hate them because you've always hated them. The rivalries that are going to matter are, you know, Kansas City, Buffalo, and, and teams that repeatedly meet year after year after year uh-huh. in the postseason, that's what's going to make a difference. And this is an interesting one because this is kind of a rivalry from when we were kids. And 
theoretically, you would think, okay, well, that's dead. That's forever ago. That's exactly what I was just talking about, except that you just need that one little spark, right, to reignite it. It's a lot different than creating a rivalry that never existed before, trying to manufacture one with, I don't know, the other team in the same state or somebody in your division you don't really care about because they've stunk for 20 years. Like, I think it's going to be really easy to get back to this place with these two teams because they hated each other, and you guys are, like, the perfect people to be talking to about this. I didn't have a dog in the fight. But, man, as somebody who had no preference in that battle and basically just rooted for whichever one Deion Sanders was on at the time, <laughs> um, like, I loved watching those because everybody was so fired up. They hated each other. The teams hated each other. The cities hated each other. The fan bases hated each other. It was great. Right? There was so much animosity. It was so much fun. And even if you weren't part of it, you still kind of felt like you were part of something. And I think that this is the kind of rivalry that can be reunited. If we get a good game here, well, maybe these teams are going away anytime soon. Right? So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That, that's, that, I think that's the big piece of this, Samantha. Is, is It's got the ingredients because they probably yes. are – going to face each other. And, and I think, you know, Irby, for me, like the fact that this, this rivalry goes back generations, like this goes back to the, the, the seventies, early eighties. And then it was rekindled in the nineties. Now here we are 30 years later, talking about it again, where we're the, you know, the older part of the generation uh, uh, from the past and watch these two teams go at it. That for me is why this could potentially get kicked back up because it's me talking to my dad about the 49ers and you could feel the hatred he's got going all the way back to 1980 and the catch that's where it started for him you know for for us it was 92 93 94 i remember in fact like you know we talk about rage rooting samantha a lot rage rooting against the 49ers was my first ever just actively hating a team so much I wanted them to lose. I didn't want to play them. I didn't want to see them in 1995. And, of course, the Packers ended up beating them in the divisional, and the Cowboys beat the Packers to go to their, their last Super Bowl, the last time they were there. But that's what this means, Irby. That, that, that's, what I think, where we're at with Cowboys 49ers. And as Samantha said perfectly, like all, all, those, all those little things that would make a rivalry happen again, they're right there. It, it really just needs that spark. I wonder if we're going to get that spark this week. Right. We need a CEO run out there and just have both teams lighting up at the 50-yard line. <laughs> well, I mean, T.O. did want to try – he did try to play for the Cowboys again at age 50. So there's that. Yeah, that's true. I, I, yeah, that, that, is, that is very true. Uh, yeah, this one, the rage rooting, I like that. Because um, I, I was just saying, like, I remember in middle school in, in – 90s there when when going to class and, and when these playoff games would come up and they would tell school, hey everybody can wear their cowboy shirts on Friday, and I showed up in my Niners shirt jersey, and the first time I got in trouble for it. And it's like why? It's like well this was you're not supposed. To. I was like no, I'm actually a fan of this team. I don't care about your blue. I don't care about yourself. Like, I'm not trying to be a jerk and just be a rebel. It's like I actually care about this team. <laughs> And I'm not going to wear your stuff or wear my uniform. So it was that. It was, you know, my mom would tell the stories of my dad and I couldn't. We had to watch these games in separate rooms because, and, and that was her call. Like, it was, no, y'all aren't watching this in the same room because neither of us are much of the, we're not the celebrate cheer in your face type. We're just the kind of, um, that, that moment, like as soon as your team scores, go boom. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm going to say. Just boom. Mm -hmm. You're watching. Yeah. 
So there's the slogan for the rivalry, tearing families apart since 1993 or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you had to well, no, 1980. Go. Yeah, dude, 1981. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 49ers tearing families apart since 1981. There you go. Yes. Beautiful. I would put that bumper sticker on my car. I would put that bumper sticker on my car. Yes. And, 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 it, and it's wonderful because it's fun to like, um, my, my in-law, my brother-in-law and father-in-law are big cowboy fans. And it sounds like they're going to be coming into town to watch it. And they weren't serious. Like, are you cool watching? Like, yeah, we're not, none of us are jerks. We're going to cheer for our teams. We're not going to be cheering each other's faces. And so, yeah, y'all come watch it. It's fun. And I do it with my next door neighbor. She's a diehard. Cowboys fan, and I joke with her daughter. I was like, "Hey, your mom and I are on good terms right now, but it is only Monday, so we'll see if we can last being on good terms as the week gets longer and longer and longer." So I don't know. Yeah, this is this feels. I hope it feels like we can get there again. And last year was one example of, and and here we go again. You've got you've got year two, and it. Oh, you're right. It, it's that spark. It's something we need. Something to happen here. And, and last year it wasn't because it. It's funny, some would say, well, last year, because it was so close, it's like, well, last year ended because of a bonehead play. Like, it wasn't as much of a spark. Like, you need a catch. Um, you need a, you know, not, I, you said it first of all, so I just, and here's the rage fun that I'm having. I'm just going to say that right there, knowing that your dad's going to listen to this. The catch. Oh. Say it a little more time, right? I'm quiet. The catch. So there you go. There you go. That's all the spark you need, right? Uh, I'd rather not have that spark this week. Um, but no, there, there's kindling all over that field. It just needs that spark. One little spark, and this and this rivalry can get back to being as heated as it was 30 years ago. All right, let's pick this one. Samantha, who do you have here, Cowboys or 49ers? See, now after he said that, it made me want to pick the Cowboys like for your dad. I want to do that for your dad. <laughs> like, but like, I don't think I can do it because I don't think the Cowboys can beat the 49ers. Now, I think the Cowboys proved a lot um, a week ago. And we, we said we were going to talk a little more about this. So I was very skeptical of Dallas. And after what they did to Tampa Bay and more, maybe more importantly, what they did to Tom Brady a week ago, you know, who was kind of their playoff bugaboo, I thought, all right, Dallas, you know what? You've earned my respect. Like, I'm going to take you more, much more seriously than I was. And yet, at the end of the day, we come to Mike McCarthy. I cannot do it, guys. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Now, there's a scenario for Dallas here where Dallas just jumps all over San Francisco and they can't catch up. Absolutely. Like, there's a scenario where Dan Quinn puts together a beautiful defensive game that shuts down the 49ers offense. But there are so many more scenarios where Mike McCarthy just, like, does some stuff that doesn't work out too good for Dallas. And then here we are in the exact same place that we've always been in with him. So I just don't trust it. Like, and I think that is more pervasive for me than anything else here. I, I also think the 49ers are, um, you know, when we talked about them, we talked about how they were kind of uniquely designed to take down Philly. And I think that is less true of Dallas, but I still think they're probably the better team. Brock Purdy has kind of, I think, earned his stripes in, in terms of like, hey, you know, this kid's not just going to come apart in the postseason. So I think they're the more talented roster. They're certainly the smarter team because Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, anyone could be, Malik will we'll do it again. Except the Chargers. We'll do that again. Except the Chargers. But 
yeah, I, I can't do it. I'm super excited about this game. I hope it fires up a, a huge rivalry and we can start that all over again. But at the end of the day, the 49ers are a better football team, and I fully expect them to pull this off. Ooh. Okay, Irby, the time has come. We both have skin in this game, so it's our turn. Who do you at? You set that up like I'm about to pick Dallas and you're about to pick San Francisco. I did not. That's great. That's just... <laughs> like, I we already that have the tiebreaker here. I, I set that up in exactly the way that it, it, it's going to come out. Trust me. Yeah, no, no. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I've been around it. Yeah. Um, I, last week, what Dallas did did not shock me. The Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was not a playoff team. They were not worthy. Um, but much more fun to see Detroit in that game. Um, but that's the rules that we have, and we've got to fix them. And sure as hell, shouldn't have been in Tampa. It should have at least been in Dallas. But whatever. Dallas did what they were supposed to do. You know, I, I know I texted you when it was eighteen to nothing, and saying this game is over. And yeah. you're as as a true fan, you're like, yeah, we'll see. And I'm like, no. And I would say the exact same thing in your shoes. But it's the when you don't have a skin in the game, and you look at it and realize, no. This Tampa Bay team literally cannot score 18 points. Like it's 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 mathematically over at that point. And but Dallas gives them credit, went in and did what they were supposed to do. And Dallas has not done that multiple times throughout the year, going in what they're supposed to do. And here we go again. They have an opportunity where Dallas has the weapons. They have the playmakers on defense and they have the weapons on offense to win this game in Santa Clara. They won't do that, however, on Sunday. It will be San Francisco and a team who's running on quarterback number three and arguably is the best of the three quarterbacks and is running on how many different running backs. I mean, my gosh, their they're leading rusher through seven weeks of the season finished off in Miami because you went and got Christian McCaffrey for a bunch of draft picks. And it doesn't matter because that's what you wanted. That's the piece that you needed. That's what Kyle... And this coaching staff needed to put this formula together. And with Garoppolo leading, we thought that was the formula. And boom, here we go. They've got something special, and here we go. I, I, I'm beyond dumbfounded that it was Brock Purdy that was the missing piece along with McCaffrey. But it's working. It's absolutely working. With Purdy and McCaffrey and Mitchell and Kittle, and Samuel, and Ayuk, and it's just San Francisco is doing something right now that have the opportunity in hand that they have gotten healthy at the right time. They have gotten their pieces together at the right time, and good offensive teams that have really good defenses when they get healthy at the right time can make some serious noise. But you got to execute. And I think San Francisco's got enough to execute and get the job done this Sunday. Big shocker. You took the 49ers, Samantha. Are you shocked? I'm shocked. I am. You could knock me over with a feather. <laughs> no, all, all, all outstanding points, Irby. All outstanding points. Um, I, I will say this. Dallas has obviously been inconsistent, and that's being nice. But when they're on, and that defense is swarming the way they swarmed last week or the way they swarmed in Minnesota midseason, when they're on and they're, they're playing at the level that they actually can play at, they're very difficult to beat. Now, 
is the is the 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 the, the sledding up the hill more steep for the Cowboys than it is the 49ers in terms of winning this game? Yes, absolutely. There's a, there are nightmare matchups all, all along that defense. What do you do about Kittle? What do you do about McCaffrey? There are problems that Dan Quinn is going to have to out-scheme to win. But he's done it before this year. And he's done it as his defense, as his secondary has been dropping like flies. It's been next man up, and they still, Dan Quinn can still find a way to put that out there, Smith. I think you said it perfectly. It doesn't necessarily have to be the, you know, that, that Michael McCarthy loses the game. It's that Dan Quinn wins it for him with his defensive scheming. Yep, yep. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a lot in the bank here. I'm going to make some assumptions. I'm going to assume that it's not Mr. Fluffy that the Cowboys put out there this week, that it's actually what they did in Minnesota. That's what they did last week defensively. I'm also going to bank that Dak Prescott is going to have a similar game to what he had last week. And that's how Dallas wins the game, and that's the only way they win this game, is if Dak Prescott is playing at a high level and that defense swarms the football like they did last week. I'm banking that they are, and I'm banking, and that's what's going to get, put Dallas over the top on Sunday. So I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Okay, you too. I want to ask you guys one more thing about this rivalry thing before we move on to the time capsule, because I think this is important, because I want to know where you guys are at with this rivalry. How important is this to you? So would you, Bo, marry a 49ers fan? Would you, Irby, marry a Cowboys fan? And I'm asking this because I think that there's a line here between I don't like this team and I hate this team and their own rival because I will use myself as an example. I grew up a Browns fan. I married a Steelers fan. I lost zero sleep over this. This has had (laughs) no impact on my life. I never thought about it. Didn't matter. But I can tell you this. You would have to drag my dead corpse to the altar to get me to marry a Twins fan. (laughs) <laughs> it would never happen. See? So I want to know how dedicated are the two of you to this rivalry? Like, assume there's nothing else wrong with her, but she's a 49ers fan or she's a Cowboys fan. Can you still <laughs> I marry her? Like, no, I love that. I love that. Let me tell you something, because I, I think I'm very similar to you in this regard. I could marry a 49ers fan. Ain't no way in hell I'm marrying an Astros fan. Ain't happening. Okay, but like to be fair, no one's marrying. Well, okay, fine, right? They all have to marry each other. Nobody is marrying an Astros fan. Would you marry a Mariners fan? No, I wouldn't marry a Mariners fan. I would. There we go. Okay, all right. (laughs) But I would marry a Forty Niners fan. Okay, so maybe all this says is that we all care a lot more about baseball, like emotionally, than we do about football. (laughs) But it does answer my question to an extent about the rivalry. But Irby, what about you? You marry a Cowboys fan? I know you have a child that's trying to become a Cowboys fan. Right. Well, yeah, that's, that's where problem. <laughs> I have to, I have to this line, you know, very, very, very smartly because my wife would probably consider herself a Cowboys fan. She's not a big football fan, but she is the keep the peace, and she grew up in a Cowboy household, so she would do that. But um, I, I think that's, and 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 because of that, I am going to put it on her, especially if her dad and brother come over here. I might put her on the spot right before kickoff and go, hey, Amy, what are you cheering for? Let's see what she does. But, um, but yes. Irby, do you just have like this really glorious doghouse that I don't know about? Because I would love to get my hands on one of those. 
if he is sleeping in the yard on Sunday night, we'll know. You know what? If I'm sleeping in the yard Sunday night, knowing that we're playing another football game a week later, I'm sleeping just fine. <laughs> you know, there's, there, there, there's something, there's, there, there's some honor in that. <laughs> I, we will do wild things for sports teams. I mean, like as somebody who's fathered, made her eat their cereal with their face when they were like six, like a dog, you know, because the dog counts. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> there you go. But to answer your Living other in point, the yard, like yeah, yeah. Um. So so yes, technically, I married a Cowboys fan, but I would never marry a St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. Ooh, yeah. There yeah. It is. There you go. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Our, Amar, I would say I would never marry a Marlins fan, but I don't think there are any. So, um, do we have those diehard Marlins fans? Uh, there's there's some there's the, there's some there there really are. No, Marlon's man doesn't count because who would marry that guy, regardless? <laughs> oh, God, Marlon's man. Okay. All right. So I think we've just established that we all care a lot more about baseball than football, but okay, it's an interesting thought. Experiment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One last piece of business before we call it a week. Uh, let's jump into that time capsule. Irby, what do you have for us, bud? Well, you know, what's beautiful about this, and I, you two probably can have guessed this happening, um, let's continue where we've been. Yesterday, January 17th, was the 30th anniversary of the rekindling of that Dallas-San Francisco. <laughs> that Dallas-San Francisco, a game at Candlestick Park. Um, and if you remember, that was the sod or... Maybe we call it lack of sod issues where it rained all week and it was raining right before the game and some during, and they had to bring in sod and it didn't take very well so that the grass was literally just coming up in chunks. And the Cowboys wore that, 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 I, I what would you call it? Like it was like that alternate white uniform. And I remember Troy Avian just having chunks of green and brown all over him. I think, yeah. and it's Smith's jersey was brown by the end of it. Like he looked more like a 49er player than, but, um, yeah, that was 30 years ago yesterday that this started. And it goes to the conversation that we had where it was, this is year two, and, and if it's continuing. So, all that fun said, 30 years ago, 1993. So, that's the first one. So, let's get your minds wrapped up about some of the fun things that happened in 1993. Um, pretty easy here. Um, I'm talking about this stuff. Bo, you can probably fill us in pretty quickly on the Super Bowl in 1993. Oh, yeah. Um, second most points ever. Is that right? Yeah, second most points. What was? I can't remember. Who has the most points ever? Is no? Did I lose you? Did I lose you? Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I think it's the 49ers. It is the 49ers of 55 to your 52. Yeah, You should have had 59, but Don Beebe had something to say about that. (laughs) Oh, that was so beautiful. Oh, can we just take a moment to appreciate Don Beebe stripping a ball from Leon Led? (laughs) Uh, Hey, you know, Cowboys won the game. I don't care. (laughs) There you go. Good answer. answer. Flags fly forever, right? Yes, there you go. Forever, it also gives me the opportunity to make fun of Leon Lett without feeling really awful about bringing up a bad memory. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Oh, um, so yeah, 
that was um, that was the world of the the NFL in Major League Baseball um, in 1993. We gained two teams: the Rockies and a few minutes ago mentioned the Marlins at that time, Florida, not Miami, although they never moved. Um, World Series, you guys remember that one? It was the Blue Jays. That would be the Toronto beat. Blue Jays over the Philadelphia Phillies. There it is. I thought it was the Phillies. Mitch Williams, pitch like your hair's on fire. Did you trade <laughs> for them? Jo- Joe Carter. Joe Carter. <laughs> Joe Carter. Joe Carter gained six. So there we go. Keep going. NBA. Um, you guys got anything on that one? That was Rockets over Magic, wasn't it? No. No, it's the Bulls. It's the Bulls. It is the Bulls. Yeah, Rockets over Magic was 95. That's the Bulls over... Ooh. Um, I'm going to mix it up with the, the year before, but I think this is the Suns, is it not? That is correct. This was the third on that three-peat because later on that year, October 6th, 1993, Michael Jordan, quote-unquote, retired. It would be a Brett Favre type Chicago. retirement. White Sox, yes. Chicago White Sox interlude. Yeah, so <laughs> Jordan retired only to two years later, show back up. 17 months later, show back up. So, um, NHL, y'all got anything on that one? Was that the Rangers year, 93? No, not, not, quite, not quite there. This is actually a big deal in the NHL, what happened this year. Ooh. 93. Okay, hang on. 93. I don't... It wasn't the Kings, was it? It's like, I mean, I want to say it's the Penguins, because I'm just guessing based on the era, but I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Um, No, but Bo in there, you did guess the loser. Was this... The Kings? Okay. Hang on. Was this the other guy, Gretzky? No. Mm, yeah, he would have been. Well, a, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on that team. Yeah, I don't know if this yeah, year they acquired it. They got him though. Okay, but, but they lost, right? So they lost. Not the Penguins. So the Penguins of the year before, right? Correct. They're in there somewhere. Okay. Yes, ninety-two I Penguins. I don't think I know the answer to this. The Kings lose too. Let's see. Well, okay. Anything about hockey? So Penny would say not a big. De- I, I think it's a big deal. I would say an entire country north of us. Really doesn't like this being a big deal. Oh, because it was. Won. Oh, well, that narrows it down. It was the last <laughs> time a Canadian team won. Okay, it's, it's okay. not. It's not Edmonton. It's. So is that it, is it Montreal, Toronto, or Montreal? It was, so, I don't Montreal? think it was. It was it the Maple Leafs? Was it? Was it Montreal? I think it has to be, doesn't it? I think. Yes, that is correct. It was Montreal. Montreal yeah. Canadiens, the last Canadian team. Although they made the cup. Last year didn't work out so great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> our Tuesdays, our Tuesdays. Um, also, that year in 93, we were introduced to the Florida Panthers. There you go. State of Florida getting another team. Oh, and sorry, kids out there, but this is the actual name at the time. The Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. <laughs> yes, that officially was their name when they first started. Yuck. Now they're just the Ducks. Yeah. Now it's just the Ducks, So. That um, one other good little nugget of sporting world history before we jump into movies and music. In November 12, 1993, was the first ever UFC fight. UFC won. And how barbaric was it? It was an eight man tournament that took place in one evening. That's right. You would fight, and then a few minutes later, fight again and then again. And Brazilian jiu-jitsu master Roycey Gracie ended up 
submitting three people to win UFC one. Now the weird one, any clue where the first ever UFC fight in the United States took place? Vegas. That would have been my guess. Too easy. Too easy. No, 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 no. Think about this. Not a big deal. Not. Wait to hear what you were saying about that because I was like, which one's UFC? Is it the fake one or the real one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. uh, see, you're getting a little bit closer there of, of where. Um, yeah, no, yeah. Um, the very first UFC fight took place in Denver, Colorado. Wow. Seems weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, does seem very weird. So. Um, I, you know, being a nice guy with my, my TFL team playing, I'll let you guys, you want to do movies or music first? What you feeling? I mean, I don't think it matters, but how, I, 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 I tell you what, let's start with music. Let's have some fun. Music, yeah. Let's do movies first. So, yeah. Boom. All right. Music. So, so fun little nugget that may help, may or may not help you. Four of the top ten, and it ends up actually being four of the top seven songs has the word love. <laughs> In the title, um, I know one because this is the bodyguard, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I, will, I will always love you. So I will always love you. Yeah, yeah. that is number one. Whitney Houston's "I Will Always Love You." Didn't she also do the the the, the national anthem? She did the national anthem for the Super Bowl one of those years, early nineties. That was ninety. Was it ninety one? Ninety one, I think. Um, you're yeah. The, the greatest national anthem of all time. It was probably. the greatest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anthem I think of that was ninety one, but might be ninety two. So yeah, I, I always love you. Definitely was number one. That was that was a big deal. Yeah. So okay, I'm trying to think about other songs that have love in the title that would have. Uh, this, this, this would be that big boys to men era, right? Yeah, I would think they would be in there. They're somewhere. Um, so, if this is early, like, Boys to Men gets up at number 12, is the highest they get in the still of the night. But, but you're oh, getting... So, we're a little bit after the big yeah. Boys to Men push then. Okay, so what about... Okay, I think I know one of them's got to be... Oh, what is that band called? SWV Week? That's definitely got to be on it. That was a huge song that year. Is that on there? S-W-V-B. Number six. Well done. Woo-hoo. Well okay. done. And now I'm trying to think of songs that say love in the title. That would be so am I. this time. Um, Ninety-three. Um, oh, wait. Oh. Hang on. The Elvis remake. Um, you Before mm-hmm. Me. You Before hey. Me. Can't Help Falling in Love. The, the there you go. Number three. Can't Help Fall in Love by the English reggae and pop band UB40. So, number three. Well done. I saw them in concert once. 93. It wasn't 93 when, when we're going to do the movies in a second, but wasn't that when, when, when they did uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman? No, that's earlier. That's 92? That's earlier. Yeah, that's I think that's even 94. Yeah, that, well, it may have technically been 90. I, but I know what you're uh, in school. It was earlier that I was younger. I was thinking about that. Um, yeah, you're thinking of everything I do, I do it for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that Brian Adams song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's before this. No um, no Brian Adams in this. Okay. You're right, that was 91. I don't know what I'm thinking. Is there a Mariah Carey song? I feel like there has to be. There is a Mariah Carey song. And here's the thing. Technically, so the word love is in here four times. 
the letters L-O-V-E are in here five because of this Mariah Carey song. Which the word is oh, in there, but dream lover. there you go, dream lover. I didn't feel like I needed to say that as in five because that's technically not. No, like, we're just fair. going straight to the, the word love. <laughs> so yes, that was Mariah Carey was number eight, dream lover. What about Madonna? So, no, uh, no, Madonna. no, no, Madonna. Um, Madonna may not. It must not have released something. I, I don't see her anywhere near the top. What about so, Snoop Dogg? How about Snoop Dogg? Yeah, early. Ooh. early for Snoop Dogg. Yeah, little early. Little, little early for all of that. Even, even um, Dr. Dre just outside the top ten with nothing but a G thing. Oh, uh, which was probably being a year before that. That's probably probably. There you go. Around. I think it's a great for that. I so, love that song. That was a good song. I do. I do too. Excellent song. To help you all along with the top four, so we've got um, an American pop icon, Michael and we've also got a, a duo who recently showed up in a commercial. Oh, Marky Mark. No. Commercial. Oh, oh, the the, the ice cream commercial. Yeah. There you go. There it is. By tag team, was number two. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Those guys had a name, huh? Okay. Yeah. That, that is a terrible song. I well, they say it in the song. Tag team back again. <laughs> I have no idea why I have no idea why I brought out Marky Mark. I was thinking of Millie Vanilli. <laughs> well, no. They're before that. So is Marky Mark. Good vibrations before that. So would, so would Millie Vanilli. Bo, um, oh, isn't, isn't picking Millie Vanilli basically like trying to guess a hole-in-one? Like You've got one shot here. <laughs> Literally one shot. So. Yeah, yeah, but I thought I saw him in a commercial recently. <laughs> that's why that's why I blurred out Mark, Marky Mark when I met Millie Vanilli. This is this is how I play this game, guys. I just it's scattershot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I don't get so are... for wrong answers. I don't get buzzed. <laughs> no, you don't. No, no. All right, so y'all doing good. One, two, three, we got down. We got six. We've got eight. Um four, pop icon. Not not Michael Jackson. Janet Jackson. Uh. Yeah, but what song? What song would Janet Jackson have in 1993? Is this all right? No, that's wrong. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big Janet Jackson fan, and I was not a Janet Jackson fan at the time either, so I'm sure I know what it is, but... If it helps... No way. The word love is in there. Okay. Maybe I can get this. All right. Janet Jackson's song with the word love. Um... Right now, when I think of you, that's way over. Um, awesome. Have a lot I'm, of blanking, it. I'm blanking on the story. I can't remember the name of that song. Um, I can't remember the name of that song. I can sing it in my head. I don't think it's the right one because I don't think it's Barbara. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to get this. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah, I don't think so. Irby? Right. It went number four that year. Was the, that's the way love goes. Oh, oh okay. I was never going to no. get there, but I do know that song. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but that wasn't going to happen. Okay. What else you got? <laughs> so I've got a couple more um, R&B groups sitting at five and seven. Okay. Um, 
The number nine, though technically a rap, the highest rap song, it was referred to as an American New Jack Swing group from Harlem. Huh? Oh. Exactly. Oh. Hang on. Is this, is this the one that... And then... Oh, damn it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I know this song. I can hear it in my head. Ugh. At least my guess. I can hear my guess in my head. How did you get that out of what he just said? <laughs> a jumble of words that I don't understand. Okay, so we're looking for a rap song. Yeah, and the one I'm thinking of was in Nothing But Trouble, the movie Nothing But Trouble, which is around this time, and that, that seemed to matter. that seemed to catapult it up. Oh wow, man, I'm blanking. I guarantee you, whatever this is, I owned the single tape of it. I'm just not aware of what it is yet. Is that the name of the song? Is it, it's, the, it's the Humpty Hump song. No, that's earlier. That's earlier? Yeah. The Humpty Dance? Yeah, yeah the Humpty Dance. This is too late for Naughty by Nature, too. So Damn it. For OVP. Mm-hmm. So Love that song. I'm looking for... Um, can we have a hint? Aside from... New Jack Swing group from that. It's um. Yeah, that did not. That was just like you were just saying words. Um, <laughs> I um uh. so this um this is the lead single of this group's second album. It was released in August of '92. The album was called Hard or Smooth. Um, take that how you wish. Yeah, I got nothing on that. And, uh. And, and the yeah. song is kind of inappropriately related. <laughs> inappropriately related. Okay, so the material is somewhat inappropriate. Is the title yes, inappropriate or just the, the title? Music? Yes, but but compared to some of the names of songs nowadays, this would be PG. <laughs> uh, this was pre-explicit label on CDs, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, if it helps. The same dirty mindset will help you get number five as well, because it's a basically the replacement word for what we can't say up here. Wow, that doesn't help me either. Yeah, um, that doesn't help. <laughs> Since you won't get there, number five, while y'all are thinking about this one, would be the um, American R&B group Silk and their single Freak Me. Oh, yeah, I was never going to get that. No, no, no. <laughs> Neither was I. Um, okay, so what are we... Okay, so we're missing nine... Seven, nine, and ten. Seven, seven nine, is, and ten. Seven nine is, is another... Song that's not yeah. really dirty, but was dirty at the time. Right? Yeah. Ten is going to be even harder because it's by a Canadian reggae musician slash rapper slash singer. Oh, oh my God. Snow. There you go! Informer. That, that, that's, Informer, that's, number 10. Well done. That's the one There's she only, gets. literally only one Canadian rapper in history. Boom. So, <laughs> so we haven't had a Canadian rapper since the Canadians won the Stanley Cup. Got it. <laughs> Someone is going to so while you're working on nine number seven the uh, the group this was their debut single an american r&b soul quartet 
uh, released in 1992. They were discovered as a group that's singing on the Howard University campus. That helps or not? No. And it does have the word love in there. (laughs) As our final fourth word, love in there. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this an acapella song? It's completely acapella, is it not? (laughs) Is it, it's, um, shy, shy, S-H-A-I, shy. Yes. Oh, they are very, yes, sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, it is an acapella song. Wow, I did not know that. Uh, what's it called? Um, if I ever fall in love. There you go. I if I ever fall in love, I. I had the single tape. Mm-hmm. Had the single oh, tape. there you go. All right, so number nine. Any last? If I give you the group, will that only hurt the case? Probably. <laughs> oh, pro- well, I don't know. Tell us the group. We're we're not getting there. Uh, it would be <laughs> Rex and Effect. Oh, Rex and Effect. Oh, Rex and Effect. Bump Shaker. Bump Shaker. There you yes, go. I did have the single tape. Rex and Effect. That's right. And definitely the PG version of some of the names of songs these days. I, yeah. Can you imagine, like, kids today, if we were, like, it was so bad because these guys were, like, all I want to do is a boom, 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 and a zoom, zoom, zoom. And kids today would be like, are you serious? <laughs> it was so bad at the time. Ugh. So yes, there's your there's your top 100 music. All right, so movies. Ooh, okay. 1993. Okay. Movies in 1993. All right, we can't connect any of them to the no. songs, right? Uh, because music. the bodyguard songs come later. Uh, no, but there there is one in here that a little surprising. None of its songs. Oh. Songs would have been later. It would have been earlier. There you go. That's why. Oh, Forrest Gump. No. Yeah, that wasn't good idea. That was ninety ninety four, maybe. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was yes ninety four. I don't know. I just heard songs um, earlier in that era, and I immediately went to Forrest Gump. Isn't that this is Jurassic Park though? Isn't it? I mean, there's number one. It's got to be Jurassic. Greatest movie ever made. Might be a little biased, but I don't care. You're this is my segment. Greatest yeah, movie ever made. Not the greatest movie ever made. It is an excellent movie. <laughs> it is no, an excellent movie that has withstood the test of time despite its terrible special effects. It is, however, not Stop the greatest movie ever made. We've Those been... effects at the time were amazing. We saw dinosaurs on TV. Okay. And it's, well, that's what I mean. It has stood the test of time. Despite they look bad now, and yet they still kind of hold up. You know what I mean? Excellent yes, movie. Yes. Yes. Definitely okay. top twenty for me. Absolutely not the greatest movie ever made. See, we've been through this. We've been through this on this show. The greatest movie ever made was Major League Three: Back to the Miners. No, the greatest movie ever made was Full Girl. No, second movie, <laughs> second best. Majorly Back to Irving's segment, <laughs> Jurassic no. Park is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> okay. okay, I want to make an argument for another movie that I would contend is one of the greatest movies ever made that I think is from this year, The Fugitive. Ooh! Number two, Good The Fugitive. Well done, well yeah. done. Damn, there you I go. One of the best lines of, I didn't kill my wife! 
I don't care. I don't care. It's a great movie. I'm gonna have to watch that. Wait, guys, wait. I bought that. Sidebar. Sidebar. If you have not read it, read Lindy West's shit actually, which is just her like riffing about movies, mostly from this era, in which she rates everything on a scale against The Fugitive, which she argues is the greatest movie ever. It's a tremendously good book. Like, even as not a movie person, I thought it was great. It's hilarious. And everything is based off the scale of, is this better than The Fugitives? Incredible. <laughs> I bought The Fugitives awesome. recently for like 10 bucks on Amazon Digital, too. Just, you know, out there. You guys, the depth of my obsession with Harrison Ford at that point in time, I was like 11, and I, just, I loved Harrison Ford because of that movie. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Irby, I believe this was, tw- like, maybe... I'm. I don't know exactly know where, but I know that this is either like you know beginning or the middle of, of a big Robin Williams boom. Ooh. Okay. So wait, you wait, wait. He's on here twice. So I, oh, so one of them is Aladdin. Okay. Aladdin at number eight, and there was the musical one because all the songs. Oh, Aladdin came out November of ninety two. Right. So all the songs would have been in ninety two. Okay, now I understand why you said that. Okay. Was it not Robin Williams? Wasn't that also Hook? I think it's Mrs. Doubtfire. It could be Mrs. Doubtfire too. I was thinking I was thinking Mrs. Doubtfire or Hook, but I wanted to start off with Hook. I think well which one came first? Wasn't Hook earlier? I think Hook is before Mrs. Doubtfire. Hook might have been ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, that's the problem is I'm pretty sure it was before, but I'm not necessarily sure that means that which one is this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's one or the other. It's got to be one or the other. Yeah, I, I you, know, else, Robin Williams. you guys are doing good. Jumanji. Hook did. Hook came out before Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, if that helps. Jumanji. Jumanji might have been more ninety-five. Okay. Okay, so if Hook was before Mrs. Doubtfire, then I'm standing by Mrs. Doubtfire. I guess although now I'm yeah, I think I, Jumanji. I, yeah, Mrs. Uh. <laughs> I think I think it's Mrs. Doubtfire because Jumanji was more towards the that ninety-five. Leader? I think it was ninety-four, ninety-five. Okay. For Jumanji. Right. Mrs. Doubtfire. You guys are correct on Mrs. Doubtfire. Number five. All right. Okay. What okay. else was there? So it's up. One, two, five, and eight. Um, definitely the ones I thought y'all would get. One, two, five, and eight. Okay. So, man. Um, Little Giants? No. Oh, good, what about A Few Good Men? Ooh. <laughs> Maybe. Close. So A Few Good Men, unfortunately, it was released December 11th of 92. So because oh, of that, oh. it falls. It does hit 13th here. It is 13th. Okay. So, but unfortunately, because of release date. I'm sorry, I lost your set of state knives. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> oh, it's a fantastic movie. All right, is there a Batman one of the Tim Burton oh, Batmans. Yeah, that's a good guess. So this would, I'm assuming this is going to be off your time. No, no Batman. Um, we do still have another thriller suspense in the kind of fugitive type realm. A um, couple of those. Hmm. With a couple of actors who have released movies this year. <laughs> actors who released movies this year. Or, All right, I'm. I'm not. 2022. I'm sorry. 2022. Okay. 
I don't know about any movies that came out in 2022 except the Knives Out sequel. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to need a new hand. Um, hmm, okay. Can't tell you the main hey, person. Ninety-three. That was Lethal Weapon three, wasn't it? Oh, that seems right. Uh, no, not top ten. I'm looking. Or not? <laughs> yeah. Right. Sounded right, but no, no, no W there. Mm. All right, give us a hint. We're not doing very well. Well, um, we got one and two. But yeah, one yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, you get one, two. Five and didn't we get four of them? Wait, what was we that? Got seven. You got four. One, no, eight. one, two. No, you got five and eight. You got one, Jurassic one, Park, two. The Fugitive, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Aladdin. Okay. okay. So, um, okay. So, I'll give you the hint because I did great on the Robin Williams and had fun with that. Tom Hanks is in the top ten. Okay, Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks Tom but Hanks not Forrest Gump. Philadelphia, possibly. Sleepless in Seattle. Ooh. I don't know. It's one of those two. It is one of those two. Okay, I don't know which one. <laughs> I made Narrowed it down. That's good enough. I, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm going to go with... Man, those those were so close to each other. One could easily be 92, the other one 93, or 93, 94. Um, I'm going to go with Philadelphia. That's my guess. Try again. Damn it. Okay. So, <laughs> sleepless in Seattle was fourth. Number four, Sleepless in Seattle. Okay. Um, here's another fun hint. So number eleven was the thriller suspense, The Pelican Breed, starring Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. Number three, very similar, but beat it out. Oh, the firm. The other genre. The firm. firm. There you go. Great movie. Starring Great movie. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Oh, but more importantly. Holly Hunter, one of the yes. supporting performances of all time. As it was outstanding. Very good. It was out, tremendously out, very outstanding performance. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Also, Gene Hackman. Everything with Gene Hackman is good. It's just a rule. That is sure. a law. That, that, that a also law. might have been the last movie before Gary Busey lost his mind. Oh, you know, I think you're right. Another <laughs> great performance in that movie. <laughs> probably never happened again. Yeah. Then he, was, he was the mug shot guy after that. That's right. He was uh, the mug. All right. Really so, y'all, one through five now. We got six, seven, nine, and ten. So, six, six is a seven. drama. Um, a drama. Good handful of people that I mean, still making movies, but the lead actor was getting a little older. Probably the generation before us. Um, number seven, the main actor, is still. In movies today, still directing movies today. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Oh, was it? I, in line of fire. I, in the line of fire, number seven. Oh, another reason for me to hate Clint Eastwood because I really did not like when his friend died, his little assistant guy died. Yeah, that guy. I was very angry about that. Oh wow! Every time someone brings up Clint Eastwood movie, I have another reason to hate Clint Eastwood. This is very productive. Yeah, but okay. well, you're, we're here for you. You're also glossing <laughs> over an outstanding performance by John Malkovich in that film. That's fair. That I'm was not out, giving Clint Eastwood that was, credit for that. Though. Man, that is John. That's John Malkovich on his own. Clint Eastwood yeah. zero credit. Yeah. 
But that's, yes, that's respect to John Malkovich for being just beyond creepy. Hundred <laughs> percent, totally agree. All right, so there's your seven. So we got six, nine, and ten. Nine and ten, the hints I can give you there. Nine's a pure, blown, all-out action. Every sense of the word, action. <laughs> all right. Well, which action okay. star? Are we talking Stallone? Are we talking um, Schwarzenegger? Are we talking Bruce Willis? Yeah. Uh, yes, one of those three. One of those three. Okay. Okay. Which one? Nice. That doesn't narrow my tell. Is, is, this, I... is this the true lies here? Oh. Mm. It's got to be close yes. to it. It's close. It is. Or, that or, one is oh, close, no, but no, no, not true lies. It's not true lies. Last action hero. Ooh. That's about that time. Yeah. It is that time. Painfully, Last Action Hero finished 24th. Well, that's just absurd. So is this not an Arnold Schwarzenegger? Can we throw out Arnold Schwarzenegger? Not. You can throw out Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. He's left us with Bruce Willis and Stallone. See, I was going to guess Eraser, but okay. Um, Demolition Man? Ooh. Demolition Man, is that what I heard? Yes. Yeah. Very good guess. That was 22nd. Oh. 22. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're getting better because, you know, your punches are getting better here. Wait, did I have the right guy? Demolition Man? Do I have the right actor? Stallone? Yeah. I yes. I All right, so we have still, Your punches Stallone are getting right? better. So, Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Ah! Cliffhanger, number nine. Yeah. Michael Rooker, John Lithgow. Yeah. Yeah. John Lithgow plays um, number, guy. That's right. Number 10... Family movie with an incredibly unrealistic ending. Like, unbelievably unrealistic. So much, and this should help you a lot, that my 11 year old will not watch it because of oh. how unrealistic oh. the ending. Yeah, Free Willy. Boom! There you go. He'd be so proud of you. <laughs> I, that's, I, I forgot about Free Willy. Until you mentioned him, and I'm like, "What's an animal movie that's long?" Oh, Free Willy. Yeah, yeah, you can't just let Shamu out of Sea World into the ocean. Well, it's not even that; it's the jump, the, the, the oh, air that he gets in the jump. Like, oh, the he didn't, whatever. Uh, so, the, the last one in here, good movie. <laughs> no, doesn't stand up well. Um, the last one in here, number six, not one that was big for me. I don't know. Was this drama. drama? Okay. Yes. So, Starring Robert drama. Redford, Demi Moore, Woody Harrelson. Oh, and Decent Proposal. I saw yeah. this in the theater when I was yes. like not old enough to see it. I was about the to theater. say, how'd you do that? Indecent Proposal. Oh, funny story. So I begged my mom to see it because it's what all the kids in my class wanted to see. And my mom was like, you're not allowed to go see this movie unless you go to see another movie that empowers women. This was what my mom told me because that's Joyce, wow. right? Yeah. So awesome. I went and saw, and this is how I figured this out, because we went then a couple of weeks later as a family to see Last Action Hero. And the daughter kind of comes up as the hero in that one. So I told Joyce I was off the hook. because, <laughs> And she grudgingly agreed with me. Well, so. I mean, you, you know what? You, you, you satisfied the demands. I did. Yep. I met the requirements. You and did. You met the requirements. Not at all what she intended. And I was like 10 years old, and I cannot believe she let me go see a movie where, like, Robert Redford and Demi Moore are, like, banging in a pile of money. But <laughs> it was an interesting parenting strategy. She got her point across, <laughs> put it that way. Uh, 
So to wrap this list up, we mentioned Pelican Grief at 11. You guys, we got the top 10. Number 12, uh, Groundhog Day. Oh. 16, Cool Runnings. Nice. Never seen it. 18, Scent of a Woman. Never seen that. 19, Rookie of the Year. Oh, I love Rookie of the Year. 21, Dennis the Menace. Oh, God, that was awesome. Uh, that was a movie? It was awesome. 20, yeah, it was. 27, oh. um, that was popular back then, but boy, picked up later on. Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, another good one. Very okay. Good, yeah. uh, 28, oh, Made in America. Oh, yeah. Um, Ted Dance and Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, we have a bunch of sequels in here. Uh, 25, Sister Act 2. Mm-hmm. 20, 30 was Beethoven 2. 31, Adam's Family Values. 32, Wayne's World 2. 33, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Nice. Wow. Nice. Um, some, oh, and 39, Hot Shots Part 2. So, that was the Hocus Pocus. That was the In there at 37. Shots. Yes. Robin Hood Men in Tights, 43. Oh, outstanding. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of the world we live in, but it takes up time later, sitting down at number 48, the Sandlot. How was the Sandlot at 48? So my guess is going to be just looking at this. It's, it, it was an April release, April 7th release. Oh, that should this been... is a kids movie. Like, yeah. why are you releasing a kids movie in April? Oh, that's a really good point. I'm... Yeah, that's that's Although that, I... that should have been July fourth. Yeah, I mean, I do yes. agree that Rookie of the Year is the better movie. Rookie of the Year is better than The Sandlot. I agree with that. However, they are both better than the ranking that they received. Why yes, it's a kids movie in April. That doesn't make any sense. It's not even. It's not even early enough for spring break. That's stupid. Oh, yeah. because they wanted to release it at opening day. That's probably what it is. Oh, God. Oh, oh well, that didn't work as well as you thought it would. No, <laughs> it did not. no. It was not a great marketing strategy. No. Like, Rob Banford was there or something. Uh, <laughs> oh. I'm just, I'm, I'm just yeah, gonna, so there you go. I'm just going to go ahead and blame Rob Manford for that, even though we had nothing yeah. to do with it. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. You don't know that. That's fair. I he probably know. was... Probably was the reason. I, I don't know that you know like like he would he would probably refer to the baseball signed by the great Bambino as just a baseball you know kind of like his hunk of metal argument with the World Series trophy. <laughs> no, yeah. he would refer to it as signed by Baby Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right. <laughs> hey, the us herbs. No, 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 no. You guys did very well. Very well. Good remembrance. Um, great job talking about on a fun rivalry 30 years ago. Got that started. So let's, uh, let's flip the script, Niners. Let's win a home game. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that, but that's neither here nor there. All right. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Until next week. If you're not going to watch football, watch The Sandlot. Not gonna help its rankings from 1992 or three, but hey, should watch it anyway. <laughs>